All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, another episode, Tennis of Melbourne. Today, very fortunate to have Daniel, aka Boops. All right, Daniel, you want to say hello to our friends? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Good day, Tom. Thanks for having me, mate. Okay.、Um, I just should clarify. Yes, Boops is、uh, just short.、Uh, my nickname of Boobers.、Uh, right. Right.、Uh, just to clarify. <laughs> okay, that's all good. Now.、Um, Tennis. I feel like、uh, I've seen you around tennis here and there.、Uh, would you like to share your、uh, your one of the early memories、uh, with tennis? Yeah, look, I, I, was, I was fortunate to work for Tennis Australia for almost eight years,、um, and I left Tennis Australia at the end of two thousand and eighteen. So I began at Tennis Australia in early two thousand and eleven, working out of the Tennis SA facility in Adelaide.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm working with the junior development program there, and I spent two years in Adelaide working that program and developing、um, some programs in and around supporting youth development in readiness for the next stage of tennis.、Um, and then from there, I moved to Melbourne and worked with the professional men's program or that elite junior transition program, which was formerly the AIS model.、Um, and then in the last couple of years of my time at Tennis Australia, I was. Working in the Davis Cup space, so with、mm-hmm. a professional men's program, so that was a really cool experience for me, and、um, learned, certainly learned a lot of things.、Um, okay, right. Now we have many, many junior、uh, listeners out there, and also parents. Sure. If you, if you don't mind, if you can give, say, two tips, two just two tips about、uh, maintaining their fitness for、uh, for junior players, junior tennis players. Yeah, I think.、Um, I think really it's important to get into a routine.、Um, first and foremost, it's never an easy challenge. I think initially to start with, it just starts slowly, but really understand what it requires to build a routine, and that's just organisation, that's just consistency in behaviour,、um, and more importantly, that's really just getting an understanding of what you're actually working towards, and that will help build a routine.、Um, so that'd be one piece of advice, and then secondly, just. Probably more or less just really enjoy the experience, and as they say, sort of live in the moment. Particularly at a young age, I think it's really important that kids burn out too quickly、um, and really enjoy the experience. And that that's just not within the the child itself, but that's just also including the stakeholders. So whether that's parents.、Um, Trainers, coaches, so really encourage a real positive coaching experience for the child,、um, and that way that will help them progress and develop. And I think that's what will encourage them to continue playing tennis. Okay. Now,、um, earlier this morning,、uh, I spoke to a, a, a girl, and、uh, she's a junior player. And then, and I, I told her, I said, I'm going to be speaking to you. She's like, Oh, yeah, awesome. Is it okay if I ask you a question? I said, Sure, no worries. So, so shout out to Jenny Mac, Jennifer McDonald.、Uh, she's got one question to ask you. She said she's got a big foot, like she's size eleven and a half, and she's like、wow. six foot, and she's tall、yeah. and lanky. And do you have a、right. tip for to improve footwork? Footwork, okay. <laughs>、um, <laughs> well, let's just put aside the fact that she's got size eleven feet.、Um, I think footwork fundamentally comes back to the fundamental movement skill component. Right. Essentially, what we call perceptual motor ability capacities,、um, and that that sort of includes like. Control, precision, response, orientation, reaction time, rate control,、mm-hmm. um, arm, hand, strategy, steady, steadiness. If not in that instance, footwork's more around coordination and speed of 
of uh, foot movement. So, you know, you factor all those components in, and I think fundamentally get the rhythms, work on various what they call physical literacy components as well, like stationary awareness, locomotive skills, mm-hmm. object control, stability, and that basically entails being able to shift the body weight, being able to hop, um, and being able to move back and forth towards um, incoming objects. So that in itself compiled together will ultimately help develop, I think, better footwork. Mm-hmm. It sounds quite complex, but essentially getting into those positions. So fundamentally, understand the physical literacy side, get them moving well, um, and then obviously work on those perceptual motor abilities. But in saying that, also um, there's a pattern of behaviour there as well that needs to be sort of followed through, and that, that's sort of the movement cycle. So that ability to start in a position, the movement to the ball and placement around the ball and recovery. So understanding that third process as well is obviously really important. So it's entirely up to the coach and the trainer to sort of put all those factors in together and, and develop that. And it's a progressive process too. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's just a matter of time and just working on one little bit of a time on those areas. Right. Now, on, on footwork, uh, do you recommend any players uh, who are, or the listeners who are watching, or who are listening, should I say, it's... Uh, to any particular players on the tour, uh, including Australians, who has really, really sharp and light and, I guess, effective footwork? Oh, look, I think uh, it's interesting because I don't think there is one perfect model of what footwork is, like mm-hmm. what it should look like. I think footwork is a combination of a heap of factors, as I've already previously mentioned. But footwork, as we probably recognise, probably more the strength and conditioning field, is a change of direction and agility process. So the change of direction is very much pre-planned. So getting into those positions to and from the ball, for example, in and out of end range or just even that inner step first explosive uh uh, step process. So, and then the agility is really about perception and timing. Um, you know, you're, it's an open um, drill, so it's the ability of the player to also perceive what's happening ahead of them and timing and, and understanding the cue. So, again, it's not just a matter of um, building straight footwork and doing a whole heap of agility. It's, it's it's building context. It's building uh, complexity around those drills. So. In light of all of that, the best players are the ones that can perceive it. Like we know, for example, Bernard Tomic isn't a great mover, but he seems to take the ball so much earlier, and that's just because of his ability to be able to a, anticipate the play and control the play. But obviously, he's got a good skill set as well. Whereas you look at someone like Alex Dimonar, who's just you know he's just light, he's fast, um, he has a willingness. So there's that mental temperament as well, really wanting to compete. Mm-hmm. So you combine that and that makes really good movement perceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, but then fundamentally, if you're looking at just the basic meat and potatoes of a good mover, mm-hmm. like Jordan Thompson's a really good mover, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, you know, has a real low base of support, um, and holds his baseline, knows when to sort of transition, got good transition stuff, and his adjustment around the ball is really good. I mean, he's not a, he hasn't got big weapons like a Nick Curios where he can smash that forehand, but his ability to get to a contest, and that's probably what wins him more matches um, on, on most occasions. So, footwork, you know, what it looks like, uh, I think we've got to be really mindful that it's not, you know, there's no particular model that we need to follow a play should say, I want to move like him, because fundamentally they may not have that, that capacity. It's just more about refining all those and developing all those other skills I just mentioned. So that's where, the, I guess, the art of sort of coaching comes into it, is to say, all right, how do we combine all of that? How do we identify a young player and what work to their strength? So, for example, I've got a young lad here in Adelaide who's the number one junior in Australia and mm-hmm. not 
not exceptionally quick player. Uh, one of the key things was just his first step. His, his movement to his backhand side in a range and range is pretty good, but his ability around the ball, just tied around the ball, could probably be a little better. And we just made a minor adjustment. And then his ability to be actually perceive what's going on and anticipate. So, you know, and that's something that's taken a couple of months to improve on. And given the time that we've got here, we can work on that. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how he sort of works that into a game situation. So, Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think it's really important just to realise that there's a whole heap of elements to building really good movement and not falling into the trap that you just got to move quick or you, it's about position and, and, and really refining some of those other elements, which does take time. Right. Wow, that's beautiful. Now, I I myself, I want to switch gear a little bit. Now, yep. do you feel, because I, I, I follow you on, on Instagram, do you feel like a fan when you met Manny Pacquiao? <laughs> was beside myself. Uh, look, I, I've been very fortunate to meet some great sports people over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, I generally don't get um, excited like I did with Manny. Manny has been a childhood hero of mine mm-hmm. uh, for as long as I can remember. And I, I love his story of being, you know, growing up in poverty mm-hmm. um, in a country like Manila, and given that I'm Filipino or, mm-hmm. and adopted, you know, I've always had this sort of connection. And then the fact that I love my sports and watching Manny Pacquiao grow up and follow his career. Mm-hmm. And then to suddenly think, you know, I'd love to meet him one day. And, mm-hmm. and I had this opportunity through my foundation mm-hmm. to go and meet him. And then when I was there, I was just... Yeah, I was like a kid in a candy store. Okay. I, was, I was a public mess. It was fantastic, though. I, I, was, I had the fortunate opportunity to sit with him for a couple of hours during a basketball match. We had yeah. a really good chat. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I really wanted to make the most of that opportunity. So, mm-hmm. no, I was, I was really pumped. Now, before I jump onto your uh, the foundation, now, um, I myself is starting to sort of, uh, you know, during all this downtime, I'm starting to sort of box for fun, just like keep myself cardio and stuff. And I noticed... Uh, uh, boxing uh, requires yeah. very, very good footwork. Now, do you think there's some sort of relationship between, say, boxing uh, and, and tennis? And, and I do have a lot of tennis friends who has have or have boxing lessons um, re- regarding, say, you know, spatial awareness and footwork and positioning uh, in relation with um, the sport of boxing. Do you do you do you have these uh, values here that you, you like to share? Value, is in what? Sorry, I guess, you know, in terms of strength and conditioning and footwork-wise. Yeah, oh, I think it comes down to just movement. In any sport, you've got to be a good mover. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really sort of developing that physical platform to be able to move well, mm-hmm. um, not just in the interim, because moving well does take time. It's mm-hmm. a, you know, if you start at a very young age, you know, you've got to do a volume of work. There's a body of work that needs to be put in. And as I said earlier, you've got to take into consideration all those factors that I mentioned before and, and develop that over the time along with the game. So mm-hmm. for me, it's about, one, understanding uh, where they're at that point in time. So whether it's a, a you know, a young young player in that sort of lower stage of um the LTAD, so the long-term athletic development, so whether they're just learning to train, and typically when they are at that age, which is, what, 10 to 12, you know, they're they're pretty underdeveloped, so it's all about developing um, motor skills there and Mm -hmm. and refining some, you know, building those awareness skills as well and then 
you moving into that train to train phase of that 12 to 15 where you can start building a bit more capacity and a bit more exposure and, and add a bit more variability. So I think my philosophy is really sort of, um, I guess, if you will, linear in that respect. You sort of build volume at that early age, get them into the patterns, getting moving well, getting to be able to, you know, stay low fundamentally, getting to, um, to sort of perceive and move to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and coordination is a real big yeah. aspect. Yeah. Um, that's something that I've really sort of focused on. And then just refining more the reaction and, and cognitive decision-making stuff and, and really exposing them to that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just playing some reaction games. I'm, I'm big on playing reaction games. Anyone that's ever sort of coached with me will know that I love playing those games because I think that just sharpens their reaction times, perception. So, again, everything sort of comes back to what I mentioned before in relation to developing perceptual motor ability capacities and on top of that you've got your motor capacity so your, your your movements physical movement your mechanical movement so i think that again is, is my philosophy is, is that taking that step linear approach towards that longer term plan of developing a really strong robust um, athlete that can endure a very long career and that's really our goal is to strength the conditioning we always look at the big picture not just what's happening right there and then in some sense okay now last question uh, on strength and conditioning before going to the foundation um do you have any tips uh for up and coming strength and conditioning coaches yeah i think one of the important things is developing skill set i think that's really important i think above all above knowledge i think at this point skill set and and a lot of um, industry professionals will say experience as well, but I think skill sets is the fundamental. And what I mean by skill sets is the ability to have good interpersonal skills, a good mm-hmm. awareness, um, the ability to be able to hold really good conversations and communicate really well. And, and what I mean by communicating really well, just being able to articulate and, and really sort of um, understand and assess situations and sort of problem solve as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got to be flexible and they've got to be adaptable because sports, as we know, is an adapt is an unpredictable sport. While some right. sports like team sports is very structured, we know, but still there's elements of unpredictability in, in those. So, I mean, right now in the COVID bar, there's a huge mm. level of unpredictability. So if you're a strength and conditioner and you can't adapt because you've been so ingrained in doing one thing one way, or you've got a very stubborn approach to something, you know that that can not necessarily um, help you be productive. Um, and, and players see that. Uh, so that you have to show a human element to it, but you also got to show a level of authority, and and that's a skill set. So, and then obviously getting that experience of being able to sort of manage adaptability or manage change as well, and then just knowing what to do where and then. Particularly when you're on a tennis circuit, as as those that have travelled and played on the circuit, whether it's junior level or professional level, knows how different the environments can change in quite rapidly, whether you lose the qualifying on the Saturday and you've got a whole week off or you go deep into a round to the following week and then you sort of like, what do I do next? Or rain delays or, or you get injured on the road. Mm-hmm. And then as a strength and conditioning coach on the road in the individual sport like test, you've got to have really good skill sets to adapt and make good decisions. Um, and that's just the craft of strength and conditioning, then you've got the other components of, you know, to, of, of, you know, trying to maintain motivation. So there's a psycho, psychologist point of view. I'm not saying we should become psychologists, but you've got to inspire them to keep them focused, particularly if you're on the road with for long periods of time. So my advice to strength and conditioning coaches that are graduating is, is to sort of accept that it's going to take time. You've got to be patient and, and develop those skill sets and make yourself versatile. But also if there is a particular interest, definitely 
zone in on it, whether that's doing a PhD, but I think experience and, and building those skill sets first and foremost is the key, and then down the track, wow. they can expand out. That's so good. That's so good. All right. Now, listeners out there, please take notes, man. I myself is taking notes as well because I myself is a sports trainer and I'm, I'm writing down as you go. And because the, these, a lot of stuff you said, I'm going to say to the parents in the next tournaments, you know, or even players, you know. So um, this is very, very helpful, um, Boobs. Um, now, um, for uh, Project Six Foundation, uh, I myself is extremely, extremely impressed. Now, given that my background, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a very privileged uh, family when I was growing up. And uh, for those who don't know, um, we I lived in a queen-size bed uh, of five people. And uh, I was always the one that sort of wiggled around in the bed. So I was, uh, my dad and my mom was like, you know what, Tom, we got to do something. So there were nights where I had to sleep on the floor. And this is uh, something that happened to me when I was younger. I, oh, I mean, how old I was? I was probably about four or five years old where I can sort of jump on the bed and hop on the bed, hop off the bed uh, safely. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I get jealous because my other two brothers sleep on the warm bed. But the thing is, um, I sleep on the floor and where I lived wasn't the best place to, you know, um, uh, in terms of hygiene. So I do hear rats sort of crawling across my ears at night and cockroaches and stuff like that. But again, um, in comparison to uh, some of the content that I saw from Project Six Foundation, uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, I'm very lucky. Now, uh, Daniel, would you like to tell or tell everyone where this is all started? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I'll make it really clear. I've lived a very fortunate life. Um, so there's no doubt about um, my 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 life uh, I've had a very fortunate and very lucky life so I, I need to make that really clear I guess where Project 6 Foundation comes in is it's more about the history of my earlier life when I was an orphan in an orphanage in Manila for five years um, and it's something that means a lot to me as far as understanding the opportunity that, that I've had that, that could have been and, and to what I have now and I, I, I and I you talk about perception or perspective. That for me is driving perspective in terms of just appreciating what I have and just getting on with life as it is because it could have been a hell of a lot different. So for me, it's really more about um, paying homage to my earlier uh, childhood um, and, and really giving back to the community that I guess really protected me on, protected me early in that part of my, my life. And that was at my orphanage. Uh, in the district of Project 6 um, in Quezon City, which is about 45 minutes out of, of Manila. Project 6 Foundation is predominantly around uh, providing coaching, physical education, sports participation programs for orphanages uh, and elementary schools in, in remote communities and, and, and clearly disadvantaged communities, um, it, it, not just in and around Manila, but certainly across Manila, uh, north of Manila at this point. Um, and so a lot of the values of that foundation stem from my early experience and really it is about uh, identity and opportunity. Um, it's about embracing the moment. It's about giving back to the community with, 
with the vision of that we can not only address uh, health issues, uh, there's elements of social inclusion and diversity, but also, more importantly, the well-being side of it. So that, for us, is our mandate, is to develop programs that sort of elicit that type of um, improvement, uh, first and foremost, and then the bigger picture of it all is, is to really... I guess the narrative is for that one day that um, a, a young kid that's gone through our program in 15, 20 years' time goes on and, and makes the most of his opportunities as a family and then eventually gives back to his community. So the cycle continues in that respect. So that is a really driving force, and that's what probably motivates us to do the work now. Uh, and it is a long process, um, and we, we value uh, input. So I get a lot of coaches from here in Australia and tennis communities and I understand that at some point in time we're going to have to involve other sports as well because just to add variety to our program. But right now I'm embracing the tennis community and the Australian tennis community has been absolutely fantastic. Um, we, we just partnered with uh, IT Tennis Coaching Academy uh, there in the western suburbs. Um, Chris Singh, fantastic supporter of our foundation. We also have high-performance tennis here in Adelaide, Don Marinfiotti, and then Dave Commerce Tennis Academy in North Sydney, and they've been great supporters of the foundation. Plus, we have connections with and partnership with Tennis SA, and, and I guess to a lesser degree, but certainly on a broader scale, Tennis Australia as far as just uh, working in with uh, key key um, people there. So I'm really embracing that, and it's really about also giving opportunities to tennis coaches here in Australia and and tennis ex-tennis players to come in, come over to the Philippines and experience, you know, less fortunate life. Um, wow. But not only in the Philippines, but also in Cambodia, we have a pretty we're building a strong presence in Cambodia, mm-hmm. and we're trying to and we're rolling out all these programs. Um, so that that really is basic project six in a nutshell. Um, and, and it's not about my personal beginning, whilst it is in some respects in terms of getting getting the foundation set up, but ultimately at the end of the day, the bigger picture is that we want to be able to tell that narrative uh, of, of developing those and improving well-being and health. So that's that's basically what Project 6 is about, and we're excited that um, we've wow. really been able to connect with the tennis community. So yeah. thank you to everyone for your support, and continue <laughs> to follow us. Now, uh, yes, 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 uh, uh, listeners out there... Um uh, so, for this is probably we're hitting on the, about eight thousand four hundred mark. Uh, all the listeners who are following Tennis of Melbourne religiously, um, yes, please go and follow Project Six Foundation. Uh, I myself uh, just came back from a holiday, uh, honeymoon, should I say, uh, with my wife um, uh, recently, a few, uh, I guess earlier last year, and went to uh, and went to Cambodia. And I can tell you these guys. We were on the river, I think it was Mekong River or something like that. And I look one side, you got the city and everything. And I look the other side. And you got kids wearing literally nothing. And they were swimming in just ponds and just, it was just, uh, what's the word, slum. And um, you see the poverty and I don't even know if the kids have parents. They were just running around. And my wife is a um, kindergarten teacher. And she looked on the side where the kids you know, with literally just a light bulb, you know, just in a poverty, and she was in tears. Um, So I myself and um, Dan, you probably will find this uh, uh, overwhelming, but um, apart from following your Instagram account and all that stuff, what else can we help? Yeah, look, uh, the way we would like 
I guess, to um, foster support of the tennis communities through potentially donation of equipment, mm-hmm. um, whether that's one, first and foremost, and that's hot shots, old rackets, mm-hmm. tennis tennis kits, mm-hmm. um, tennis balls, and, and the idea is that we send that. We have a relationship with a freight company here, and if we accumulate everything, we will send that over. Otherwise, when we tour personally, mm-hmm. um, we'll take that equipment. That's one. Two, um, we're actually looking to take... Uh, our first female tennis coach uh, who's worked in junior space or is a PE teacher and, and would, would be interested in, in joining us on what we call our um, Coach for Smiles tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, would certainly love to hear from you um, and I'm happy to leave my details. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess thirdly, potentially tennis clubs maybe on the other side of Melbourne who would like to be involved in our community connect. Um, program, which, which is where basically you, you uh, become a member and, and really sort of um, develop initiatives, fundraising initiatives uh, in your tennis club, and in return we'll, we'll support you, obviously, but we'll also um, make sure that we acknowledge you and, and connect you with our projects in the Philippines, and that's through those tennis clinics that we run. Um, and and you know, we really want to show our supporters how meaningful we are in terms of trying to help encourage these kids to play sport through tennis. So if you are interested, by all means, connect us. be more than happy to provide more details and how you can get involved. Um, and, and the amounts raised could be anything from $100 through to $1,000 or ideally, you know, a couple of thousand dollars. So any support is great support for us. And it's really, at the end of the day, I, I believe all coaches love to help um, and help coach. And that's what we want to do is provide that opportunity for clubs to support us to help coach those kids that are less fortunate. Because in the Philippines and in Cambodia, they don't have the resources like we do here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and more importantly, on the greater scheme of things, it's about improving well-being within those communities and just giving kids the opportunity to coach. And um, so you can do a lot um, just by virtue of a very small gesture. So can, it would be very welcome and very grateful. Can we donate balls? Absolutely, you can. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Whittington, uh, mm-hmm. who is also an ex-professional, if not a, apparently a professional tennis player and coach there in Melbourne, he, he's a, a wonderful volunteer and he's also been on our tour as well. Uh, so he's based there in Melbourne. Um, so we can organise Andrew to either catch up with the, the people from the tennis clubs or certainly um, we can send the uh, donations to Andrew and then on our next tour we'll arrange for that to be distributed once we get there. And certainly you'll be um, highlighted as a wonderful contributor. Oh, wow. Okay, so anything tennis gear related, are we talking shoes, socks? Uh, yeah, uh, probably more, honestly, probably more tennis gear. Like okay. if you've got ex- yeah, tennis rackets, tennis balls, uh, tennis nets, even the yellow markers that we use, um, that'd be fantastic. The more, mm-hmm. more the better. The more tennis kits that we can get out to the Philippines and Cambodia, the greater for us. And, and they, they don't necessarily have to be juniors. They can be sort of the... Older kids' rackets as well, mm-hmm. so anything is wonderful, and it's just a matter of letting us know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd be more than happy to discuss plans from there. Well, then um, I'm going to do you a little favor, and I, I don't want anything back from you, but uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to have uh, the Project Six Foundation in my profile for the entire May and June. Uh, for Fantastic the, for the exposure. So whoever is going to visit for because what happens is all the listeners who knows there is a new combo up, they usually have to go to the profile or the bio to uh, to click on the link and 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 find the combo and and listen. So uh, Project Six Foundation will definitely be visible. Um, and then if guys 
log on it. Um, go, 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 press a like because it's very underrated. It deserves much more uh, attention and love. Um, I myself can totally relate it to this. Um, with, with what Daniel was saying with strength and conditioning and also trying to use his, uh, credits to, to make others better. It's, uh, you don't see that, uh, every day. So, um, yeah, I don't know why I have a little bit of goosebumps. Um, <laughs> because, um, again, uh, I do, I will say this to all my listeners is, um, I did come from a very, uh, underprivileged, uh, environment. Um, and so what you did is, 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 is amazing. And, uh, Look, I, I haven't met you in person, but I would love to meet you sometime, catch up for a coffee, and then if there's anything I can do or Tennis of Melbourne listeners can do, um, just hit me up and we can yep. uh, use that. Our pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, look, if any, yeah, look, more than happy to support your listeners out there. So if anyone wants to contact me directly, they can on dboobers at p6f.org. Mm-hmm. Happy to answer whatever questions. Um, but... Tom, really appreciate your support. Um, you're doing fantastic things there uh, with your podcast, mate. So thank you. thank you to everyone for listening and, and supporting us and, 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 I guess, listening to my story. All right. Thank you, Dan. Thanks again. We'll catch up soon. And then, um, look, go follow again. Sorry. Go follow all the all the Dan's uh, uh, accounts, uh, Project 6 Foundation, and uh, just show some love um, uh, for each other. So in the meantime... Thanks for listening, and thanks, Dan, and um, take care. We'll, we'll, reach, we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks. <laughs> okay, thank bye. you. Bye.